Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, a podcast celebrating the unique strengths and creativity, so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. We invite you to learn more at the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia's website, wicd.org. And there you'll find out the latest information about a film we're producing called Decoders, a cutting-edge documentary that objectively and fearlessly explores fundamental questions about how we learn. To support the making of this film, find out more at WICD.org. And now, Dyslexics Wanted. Today, my guest is Kurt Carberry. Kurt's a Bostonian with a beautiful family who has owned and managed a highly successful broadcast marketing firm called North Star Media. He is also the CEO and general manager of a 50,000-watt full-service AM radio station here in Massachusetts. Kurt learned he had dyslexia at an early age, and as you're about to hear, it didn't stop him from achieving great success. In fact, he's proud to label his dyslexia as one of life's most important gifts. When did you first realize that you had issues with learning? Probably third, fourth grade. It was pretty young. Uh, I was pretty young when when I was first diagnosed. I don't know if I can say diagnosed right away. There was an issue. Um, my parents knew there was a, there there was an issue, and my mom really championed the the battle or mm-hmm. spearheaded the battle, um, and and knew there was something wrong. How did that manifest itself before third grade, uh, at home or? activity or anything like that. What what was obvious to your mom? The only thing that would have been obvious was at school, certainly not at home. Um, I was always a kind of a bright kid, if you will. Uh, lots of interests, accomplished young, always wanted to do certain things, always wanted to experience certain things. I wasn't shy. Mm-hmm. There was, nobody would walk in a room and say, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. In fact, they, if they looked at my report card, they'd say, what's wrong with him? <laughs> so. Well, the idea that personality is connected to dyslexia is, is obviously not true in your case. I mean, you, you're an outgoing guy, you're an outgoing child as well. No, it's, it's quite the opposite. If somebody says, I think my kid or my child is is dyslexic, what do you think? The first thing they say about that person is how bright they are and how passionate they mm-hmm. are and how they, how, what a great vocabulary they have. So no, it's, it's, it's the exact opposite. Nobody would ever say, again, there's something wrong. Maybe he's dyslexic or maybe she's dyslexic. It's not an ailment. It's, uh, it's, it's a gift. Well, we're going to talk about how that gift has worked for you. But did you, when you were in second or third grade, believe that things were happening beyond your control? Did you feel a sense of panic at all that you couldn't keep up or couldn't read at the same level or at the same rate? Or I, I do. I, I might be different from other stories. Um, I had great support at home. And because I had great support at home, I was told every day, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the teachers. So um, I, I, didn't, I didn't worry about it too much, only as I got a little older. See, when you're young, you can hide it a little bit. You mm-hmm. can deal with it a little bit. Nobody's expected to spell big words, but mm-hmm. as you get a little bit older, so so third, fourth grade, not that much. As I started to get older, as I started to say, where am I going to go to high school? Um, then it became more of a problem because now you can't go to certain schools unless you can pass certain tests. Mm-hmm. Now, your mom and dad were instrumental in advocating for you. Right. Talk about how that happened, say, in the middle school years, because those are important years as you're forming your education. Well, again, this would have been in the in the early 70s when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade. It, it, there wasn't a lot of special needs schools. There wasn't a lot of special attention for somebody that's dyslexic. So there wasn't a lot in the schools that said, oh, I think there's something that we can do to help your your kid read better. Mm-hmm. I really did 
re- rely on the parental support. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom, again, she would always, she was really uh, uh, quite vocal about it, and she would say, there's nothing wrong with you, it's something wrong with the teachers. And she was right. She was right. She, she knew I was bright enough to know uh, how to accomplish certain tasks. I just needed to be taught a little differently. Right, and you're talking about the 70s, which is, uh, we're going to get into your connection with Dr. Webb, who's instrumental right. in making everyone's lives better. But it was still a, a burgeoning kind of field and growing in, in terms of maybe not even growing, maybe not even starting uh, in no. terms of how we dealt with people with dyslexia. Yeah, I don't think it was growing. I think if it was certainly in its infancy. And I'll, I'll give you an example. When we went to the special needs, if you will, section in the school, the only way they could help me was to give me books on album. So, and not, not, all, not the textbooks, mind you. They wouldn't have current. They wouldn't right. have what I was learning in school. They would have a book that was written 20 years earlier that right. had no reference whatsoever to what I was learning in the classroom. But they'd say, oh, this might be good for him because it's on an album so I can listen to it. Ironically, the only reason I got books on album is they were all, all of the writing on the album and all of the included material was in Braille. They were actually for somebody that was blind. I mean, not that you're that old, but no, that really. far back, uh, 30, 40 years ago, it really was almost an ancient art. They really didn't know what they were doing in terms of new class structure, new reading structure. They, they didn't know, and not until somebody like Dr. Webb came along did they say, we're not going to treat somebody who doesn't read well when they're young as the same way we're going to teach somebody that's blind. There's, there's, there's no connection mm-hmm. to that whatsoever. I mean, you're brilliant if you're blind. You're brilliant if you're not blind. You could be brilliant if you're dyslexic. So it's not a, it's not a connection on brilliance, but you certainly I'm not going to learn like a blind person learns. Ironically, I did learn with some, some influence of Dr. Webb where I mm-hmm. would learn more visually. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it just, again, it shows you how little they knew. What was it like in terms of your peers back then? Other students in the classroom, obviously you're a popular guy, you have a lot of friends, but was there ever a time when you felt um, a bit teased or a bit uh, abused by others who were you know, making fun of the fact that you weren't reading at their level? Yeah, I, most kids, um, most boys don't say, ha-ha, you can't read, but it, it's different. Uh, what they'll say is he goes to a different class or mm-hmm. he sits in the different section. Um, Just being so, different is the way of right, right. So separating you, you out. Absolutely. You so you learn to fight, right? Right. <laughs> you learn to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was very small and uh, I learned to throw a really quick punch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but from there, it, it's, it's not teasing as much as it's separation. Mm. And that's harder. Because if you're teased, hey, I don't like that shirt, you can wear a different shirt tomorrow. But if you're told you're not like us, then so, so it's more like that. It's, again, it's not the na-na-na-na stuff. Yeah. It's you have to know that you're going to go to a different school or you're going to sit in a different section. And, and there's a resentment that, that you take with that. And I think there's a chip on the shoulder of somebody that went to school the way I went to school. And they're not a chip on their shoulder from being dyslexic. That's a gift. That I would I would not trade being dyslexic for anything in the world. But man, you, you do carry a chip. Mm-hmm. At least I did. I was guilty mm-hmm. of it. Let me ask you then about this idea of gift, which is so important to what Dirtry Webb is all about and what this organization, the website WICD.org is dedicated to. The gift started to show itself in, in various ways creatively with you. I know art is a part of sure. your life. I've seen some of your sketches and drawings. And also language, the ability to communicate very effectively. You're in the communications business. Ironic. 
I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling in the communications industry. I as long as I doing... don't have to spell communications <laughs> yes. or industry. But it, how did the gift start to represent itself when you were, say, in high school and thinking about college? Do you remember? Yeah, I think uh, what, what, you, what you do have, you make better. What you don't have, you mask. And that way, so you learn to describe things maybe better orally. So, mm-hmm. so you, maybe you master the vocabulary or you master communicating a little bit better or a little quicker um, out of necessity. You have to cover for that part of you that isn't operating at the same proficiency as, right. as others. And then the decision to go to college is a huge one for anybody. And the decision you made was to go to Curry College, which is instrumental here because that's where Gertrude Webb was. Just curious, did you know about Gertrude Webb at the time? So I, I, I don't know the exact date. Um, I, I think she was there, but I'm not positive. I first went to Curry College in the 70s in the summer program. And I went when I was only fifth, sixth grade again. And this is mid, mid-70s. mid And that's, be, that's when I was first diagnosed. And, and that's when somebody said, no, we're going to learn. We're going to teach you better. Uh, we're going to teach you mm-hmm. how, to, how to learn a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first influence, or that's first how she influenced my life. And then when I went back to college. So I couldn't wait to go back to college. So you had a, I couldn't wait to go a back preview to of what was to come. Absolutely. I was the kid who left that room saying, you know what? I'm going to learn how to do this. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to go to this college. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't wait to do that. And it is true that there's a method to the to the learning curve and there's structure to it and all that. But how important was just her enthusiasm and her sense of confidence in you and the teachers that you work with? How important is that? You couldn't have any of the latter without her influence, without her positive influence, without her saying she would look at you with a smile like a wise person has the smile that says, don't worry, kid, you're going to get it. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. This, don't take it so seriously. And that was really the first way, that, the first influence that I had with her. Mm-hmm. Her first influence with, uh, upon me was, don't take it so seriously. This is not that serious. It's just reading. You're going you're gonna to laugh about this later in life. So I, that's what I absolutely loved about her. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that she knew what? The first thing, number one, she knew that this isn't a disability. This is an asset. And she's like, play up to your assets. She knew it was an asset to be dyslexic. And number two, she knew how to turn that switch on inside of each person that finally says, hey, I get it. I might, be, I might not be able to write a certain word or spell a certain word down the road, but so what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what I have, and I'm not going to. Most importantly with her, and I know everybody says this because it's so important, it's not a disability, man. It's, this, mm. this, is, this is a wonderful thing. It's, it's, I'm, I'm glad I have it. I, and as you've moved through your career quite successfully, you've incorporated a lot of those skill sets to this day. Yeah, I think the first skill set is don't take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I look at work the same way. Work to me is the same way learning how to read was. I, I approach it the same way every day, and I approach it this way because of people like Dr. Webb. It's a problem. Solve it solve it. Mm -hmm. Find a way to get around it. So if you can't read this way, I'm going to blaze a trail over here and teach you a new approach, and we're going to go around that obstacle. It doesn't have to be an obstacle. In the movie Ants, remember, there'd be a twig, and all the ants would say, (laughs) what do we do? What do we do? And so one brave ant says, we're going to go around, we're going to go this way. That's Dr. Webb. That was was a pathway that Dr. Webb would show us. And that's how I approach business. It's everything's an obstacle. Go around it. Find a solution. Well, you've certainly proven that uh, you can run a business, have employees, do all the things and be successful that anyone with any reading capability uh, beyond dyslexia can do. 
I mean, you're, you're a guy who's into uh, the arts, you're into sports, you work out, you have a lot of things in your life, you love to travel. I mean, your life is full and rich, and, uh, and certainly the gift of curiosity has to be a, a gift that you've nurtured over the years. Absolutely. And I think it goes with learning how to learn visually. I think we've expanded on that. I've expanded on that in my life. Visual to me is uh, last week going to Washington, D.C. and just looking at the monuments and just visually taking Mm. that in and learning history through visually. Sort of being there. Absolutely. (laughs) Taking it all in. Absolutely. And it's the same way with music. Music is the same way. Mm -hmm. You learn to hear more because you build your audio talents a little right. bit more and or abilities. Technology has certainly rapidly changed in our lifetimes. And have you found that with various devices and spell checks and so forth, it's really helped you and certainly will help younger people? Without a doubt. And 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 why would we, we ever be ashamed or afraid to use it? Yeah, man, I have spell check <laughs> and I use it. Guess what? The rest of the world does right. too. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I also use a calculator. Mm. So what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Technology is amazing. Uh, we should all embrace it and we should use it. And I understand when you're a kid, you can't necessarily use it as a crutch because you do want to mm-hmm. learn the fundamentals. But um, I have no problem uh, being at a bank today and filling out a form and walk, going over and say, I, let me just check a text. My wife wants to, to, she just sent me a text. It's urgent. And, and I'll walk over. And I, my wife didn't send me a text. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm making sure I'm spelling a word correctly. Mm-hmm. And I use it on my phone and I go back. Nobody knows but me and, and, and my iPhone. It's interesting, too. I mean, you have two beautiful kids. Uh, one is still in high school. Ever been a discussion between you and your daughter, let's say, about your, your learning disabilities, your learning issues, I should say? Has that ever come up? And uh, I, I don't believe she has any of this, or does she? Um, no, she doesn't. Um, neither does my son. Um, but um, I, I, though we, know, we don't discuss it in depth, they know about it, and they know how I feel about it, and they know that I'm, I'm not it's not something I'm ashamed of, I'm proud of, and that um, I like to talk about it. And I think that probably could have influenced my daughter's decision. She's, we did college applications today, and she wants to go into early uh, mm. education, and then she wants to go into maybe special education. So I've never asked her to do that, but I think maybe that, that might have been an influence in her life, knowing that, hey, dad went to some special schools and, and learned a little bit differently. I think I want to explore some of that. Just learning differently. That doesn't mean you're subpar in any way. It just means you're taking a different approach. To the learning process. And I want to touch on one thing about that. Not only do you learn differently, but you get to learn in smaller classrooms and you get to have a better relationship with your teacher and with your fellow students. I wouldn't trade that in either. So in closing, if I could ask you, Kurt, to allow a little advice to two groups, one to the teachers out there who are tasked with helping the future Kurtz get through life. Let's start with that. What advice would you impart to them? Jesus, not a task. What a great opportunity. Ah. They're, they're, they're going to make longer, have, they're going to have longer relationships and make better relationships with their students than if they went into, than if they had 2,000 students uh, every semester and were all, you know, quote unquote geniuses. They're, they're going to make better relationships because they get to work with bright, uh, passionate people that are going to have a much higher appreciation for, what the, for the influences that they're giving them right now. And the final question or request is to send a message out to people in our age group, uh, in our demographic, people who perhaps didn't have the benefit of a Gertrude Webb in their life and they're in their middle years 
and I guess we are in our middle years, we can say that. Early middle. Early <laughs> middle. What, what would you like to impart to them? Because there are a lot of people who have covered up the fact and have been sadly ashamed of it. That, that's such a terrible waste. What, what, I mean, that really is, that's, that, that makes me sad to think that uh, maybe somebody's dyslexic and they, they didn't learn certain tricks or certain new ways to, to learn and they've, they've hit it and, and maybe they're still hiding it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that would be mm. that, that. I mean, that's that that's a shame. And if that's the case, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. You're probably smarter than the teachers that told you that you couldn't learn to read. And and until you believe that, you're not going to take that first step forward. So believe it, know it, and prove somebody wrong, and prove yourself. Prove it to yourself that you absolutely don't take a second seat. Well, Doctor Webb, I'm sure would be very proud of you and uh, your accomplishments and your attitude, which is obvious from the beginning of our conversation right to the end. Thank you so much for joining us, Kurt, and continued success in all of your endeavors. My pleasure. Thank you very much. It was an honor to be with you, as always. My thanks to Kurt Carberry, president of North Star Media and someone very appreciative of the gifts of dyslexia. Thank you for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Feel free to contact us here at our website, WICD.org. And there you'll learn more about how you can support the documentary film Decoders, which is currently in production. We welcome guest or topic suggestions for this podcast. Dyslexics Wanted is available on all major platforms, including Apple, and is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, wishing you a great day. <laughs>